Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Right, we are here for episode five. I feel like I should <laughs> do a laugh. Um, <laughs> timing starting all of the uh, all of the all, all the podcasts. How are you doing, Paul? I am doing wonderfully. Uh, yeah, doing really, really well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, very. Yes, excited to um, be reviewing our film today. Um, is, is, it, uh, is it just you over on that side today, Cameron? It is not, um, because we are reviewing Frozen 2. Um, we thought we'd bring in a Frozen expert, probably to defend Frozen in this situation <laughs> for me. Um, and we have my, my very much spoken about wife, Ashley. <laughs> Hello. Nice, there we go. Great. That's her introduced. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Ashley, what makes you a Frozen expert? <laughs> so while I was a student at uni, um, I nannied um, kind of part-time while I was studying. And the little girl that I looked after was obsessed with Frozen. And we watched it. Me and her mom had it on in the background and we watched it every day for probably the better part of like two and a half, three months. Um, so I have seen Frozen 1 a very significant amount of times um and so her mom and I would often have like discussions about the various like not plot holes as such but just questions that we had about Frozen like where did Elsa get her powers from how did her parents know and all these various things and so we decided back in like 2013 that if they were ever going to make a sequel to Frozen that it had to be a prequel that answered all of these questions Mm-hmm. And so when they finally announced that there was going to be a Frozen 2, I was like, great, my questions are going to be answered, I hope. And I guess as we discuss, we will find out if my questions were answered or not. Yeah, very important questions, obviously. Crucial, key life-changing <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Paul, what is, what is Frozen 2 all about? Give us a quick summary. Okay, well, it goes without saying, but Frozen 2 is the sequel to the uh, very widely watched and very highly reputed Frozen 1. I guess it was just called Frozen back then. And it stars Kristen Bell, uh, Idina Menzel. Kristen Bell, people might know from The Good Place and maybe other things. That's the only thing I know her from. Uh, Idina Menzel is most famously perhaps known as i believe the first person to play yeah. alphaba is mm-hmm. that correct in the musical yeah, the wicked on the broadway yeah and then you've got josh gad jonathan groff uh, and a few other extra cast it follows the story of two sisters uh, anna and elsa in a sort of scandinavian setting that's not officially scandinavia but but basically is uh <laughs> and their friends christoph who is a man olaf who is a snowman and sven who is a reindeer and they live in the kingdom of arendelle everything is cozy they have come to terms with the events of the previous film and uh, Elsa hears something calling her, and they um, event, end up, yeah, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and they end up going on an adventure that is full of a few twists and turns, and puts them in grave danger. And that's it, really. That's 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 uh, the best 
most ambiguous summary I can give. <laughs> I, I, I just I want to start off by saying that if if I if we could rank things about this film separately and we were just ranking the visuals, I would give this film a ten. I thought okay. it was absolutely visually gorgeous. I I just I loved the color palette. I loved the whole kind of the icy blue kind of white feel, which obviously they kind of brought in from the first film, but then that added kind of like orangey autumn type colours and oh, just uh, everything, the fjord, the castle, the the twitches and the faces. I thought that it was absolutely gorgeously animated. I don't know if anyone else has any strong opinions on that, but... It's, it's, it's classic Pixar, <laughs> isn't it? Like... Pixar Disney is the pinnacle of animation at the moment in that style of animation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about looks, like I just thought they had very big eyes. <laughs> Huge eyes. <laughs> that is typical of the the new sort of Disney princess look now, though, especially if you look at um, like Rapunzel and Tangled and all of those kind of new ones. They all have that same... Massive. Eye. Yeah, that same face. Yeah. So, I mean, the visuals was very good, as it always is, because, yeah. you know... They are the, the the very top in terms of animated films. So Yeah. Yeah, like you say, Paul though, I think it was nice that they had that kind of different season other than just winter, which obviously we had quite a significant amount of in the first film. And then even to a certain extent you had summer in the first one, so it was nice that they brought in um a third season <laughs> and got some different <laughs> colours in there. It was nice. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't know about you. It, this is probably almost definitely just me, but whenever I see eyes on Pixar animations, particularly like in this one, because you can't help but look at the eyes, because like you say, they're so big. I can't help but thinking about that scene in Toy Story Two when the yes. old man is cleaning yeah. Woody, and I imagine like uh, Cotton Bud kind of like rubbing over the eye, like and cleaning yes. it. Like... <laughs> exactly what you mean i know exactly what you mean there (laughs) visually though i think i liked the 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 ice memories oh yeah they were really beautiful yeah i thought i thought the ice memories in particular were very well done and very like stunning and it's the ice memories particularly to me felt very tangible Mm -hmm. you know i felt like you could you could almost hear them touching the snow that kind of like yeah kind of sound you get when you touch like formed snow when you step on fresh snow yeah mm-hmm. and so i thought i thought um that was a was particularly good yeah um <laughs> i liked as well i know you didn't but i liked how they um i guess personified the different spirits um the forest spirits um yeah. i liked how they kind of did that and gave each one like a slightly different personality i thought that was quite interesting i know you weren't a fan of how they personified the forest spirit because you just thought that was a big kind of marketing ploy a fire spirit. Oh, fire spirit. Yeah, sorry. the fire spirit. I mean, although it's a cute little lizard, it's just to, to make a plush toy. Out yeah. Of, isn't it really? <laughs> and that's the only reason. That's why you've got a three leaves for the air, this giant, giant earth yeah. that no the one no giants. one cares about. Uh-huh. A seahorse, <laughs> pun intended. Um, <laughs> you know that that no, that no one's going to use. And a little, a little cute gecko that makes squeaky noises. And the gecko is obviously a marketing tool, as as yeah. as beautiful as all the different like 
I mean, the, there's no expert because that's just some. Well, yeah, but but, like, but the way it was personified with the sort of like little childish giggle and the playful nature and yeah and that kind of thing. But yeah, I know what you mean. The the gecko definitely was. They were kind of like, oh shoot, like we need to make can, a new toy. Yeah, what can we make yeah. the, the new Olaf out of this film? And it yeah. was definitely the fire spirit. Yeah. But it was still cute. I liked it. And you know. Something that is abundantly clear about this movie is that it has and will make just ridiculous amounts of dollar. Like, it's already opened with, like, 350 million worldwide, which is, like, a great taking for, like, just a standard film for the entire time it's in the cinema. Mm -hmm. And that's a weekend. And then, like you say, this little fire gecko thing, obviously, you know, Christmas is in a month. And so, you know... (laughs) something to sell in the Disney shop yeah, uh, along absolutely. with the horse to some extent I, I would imagine there'll be a collection with the with the yeah um, yeah. yeah the horse and, and then you know you obviously all the new, um, like Anna and Elsa outfits and all those things mm-hmm. that the little girls are going to want Queen and, Anna and all that. yeah 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 Queen Anna now like all those things spoiler so alert. sorry spoiler. <laughs> no this this podcast is I know I'm kidding <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good segue though into what really obviously is the meat of this and that's the story that's the storytelling yeah. and this is where it's kind of make or break the visuals like Cameron says like you say Ashling, are always going to be good because it's Pixar and so we're talking about the best of the best so quality wise we're not going to have any issues with uh, you know the the authenticity kind of animation feel of it the consistency the the colors you know all of that all of that was was bang on story this is this for me was the make or break with this film. I was going on the assumption that there would be some catchy songs, and I th- I think that there were. I thought I thought the songs were were good. We'll come we'll come to that. Uh, the the story was was interesting, and I I had that that this is that's basically the one area where <laughs> basically all of my issues are. That's literally the one place where all my issues are. But um, but I want to hear what you guys thought about about the story. Well, let our resident expert start. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, I I loved it, but I think I loved it so much because it answered all of my like deep seated questions that I'd wanted to know the answers to for so long. Like we found out how <laughs> Elsa got her powers and why she had her powers, which was a question I didn't even know that I had until I started watching Frozen Two, um, and getting to know that backstory of like what happened to her parents and getting to see a little bit more of them as a young family, I thought was really nice. Um, Also, I'm sure you guys probably saw it coming, but I did not see it coming at all when they found the shipwreck and they were like, oh my gosh, this is our parents' ship. I was not prepared for that. So that was like, I didn't think that there could be a plot twist in such a kind of simplistic children's film, but that definitely took me by surprise. Do do you know what? (laughs) Well, I say plot twist in like inverted commas. It wasn't a plot twist no, as such, but I just I just indeed. wasn't expecting it. I wasn't I like I just didn't think that was gonna happen. So do, do you know what? Do you know what actually the 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 shipwreck thing surprised me, but for a different reason completely. And that is when they opened with their parents and and I, I really enjoyed the way it opened. I really loved yeah, that I kind of that in, in the bedroom kind of lullaby kind of story type thing. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. When they found the shipwreck. In my head, I was going, no, don't do it. Don't just, 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 just don't. I know this is a children's thing, but the parents are dead. Just leave them. But I thought, because <laughs> I thought, I thought that what it was going to be, because obviously they ambiguously perish in the first one, right? You just yeah. see a ship and like, you it's know, in the a middle wave. of the song. 
exactly and so i thought they were going to play they were going to open up that window of ambiguity of a non-finality and, and they were going to say oh they're actually alive and so when she was going to do the water memory thing i thought oh it's going to be like a model of them like leaving the ship or something and they go oh, they're still alive and when they didn't do that i was like oh, okay <laughs> good okay yeah not that I'm, I have a massive thing about making sure their parents are dead, but like, <laughs> I, just, I just felt it would have been like really, really cheap. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I yeah, it no, would have I just agree. like, ah, like, come on. Like, I, to be fair, I did kind of have the same fear when Elsa finally got to Atahalan and I was like, oh, please don't let her go inside and find the mom and the mom be the fifth spirit. I was like, no, like, that's not what we want at all. We don't want that ending. And I was glad that that you wasn't know, it either. I, I, I thought I thought that that was what what, what was happening in the yeah. in the song because so did I, I. Thought... I was really confused. Uh, Cameron, well, I her, need your her mum is the one calling her from the past. Yeah, so yeah, she's it... hearing the echoes of her mum, who I guess technically at the time was probably the fifth spirit, but when she died, the fifth spirit probably passed to Elsa. That's well, probably not, like not necessarily it, because but you Elsa imagine had the that... powers from birth, or at least from yeah, a very young if, age. If you imagine, so did her mum had a power. Did she? Well, how did she, she call? How did she call someone from the past? But what if you, you consider that, like a spirit is like never ending, and so like there would have had to have been that bridge all the time to create the balance of the spirits. Oh, the whole point, exactly. And didn't we know? We find out that the, her mom saved her dad from that whole situation yeah. when he was going to be hurt. So her mom must have had some kind of yeah. I imagine yeah, her yeah, mom yeah. had something. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think it's like the fifth, the bridge, the fifth spirit is like a hereditary thing that's yeah. been passed down and that all the children, all the, the, the children, one child will have a power, probably the oldest born, I imagine, because that's Something always like what that. they're doing, like, you know, <laughs> That's how it goes in fairy and so, tales. And like, so it passed to Elsa and then when Elsa dies, it'll pass to whoever, like, it, prob- it probably did. Yeah, I, I, there are, there are two things here. Firstly, I feel like I, I didn't think about there being this much substance to the whole um like this is why i'm here (laughs) yeah like i feel like in the future there'll probably be like a theology of frozen degree or something like that where you can discuss the spirituality and the hereditary nature of uh you know (laughs) whatever i will Um, be the one running the degree no i'm just (laughs) (laughs) but but what I must say though is is when she initially sings the song and she ends up going to Atahalan and and there are these kind of visuals of her mum and she's in this sort of like ice igloo type structure. I yeah. thought that what what it was, was like, I can't remember what it's called. Cameron might have to help me here. The place where, where Superman goes to talk to his dad. Oh, the Fortress of Solitude. Exactly. I thought it was like a Fortress of Solitude <laughs> and that her mum was going to be like this holographic like head, like in the ice that she was going to go to. Hello, Elsa. <laughs> Exactly. I am your mother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I was pleased that that was not it, but um, but yeah. I think uh, I think storytelling wise, um, considering the audience, yeah, it's why I it's why one of I struggle because the story was so obvious. It was very clear <laughs> from the whole war side out of nowhere. No, it didn't. Probably because we're following her heroes, her family were the one that started the fight. They've done something wrong. Yep. The the dam was always an issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anyone didn't think to break it down. I mean, what 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 they've been doing for thirty something years. Um, 
like the story was very like there were there wasn't really any twists and turns. No. Um it was very very generic. It was very nice, I think. Um story-wise, I'm I I think they very very underused Olaf. Cuz he is a flipping seed stealer. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. He made me laugh so much more in this one than in the first one, especially like the little moments where especially what who was it that he was talking to where he gives that entire summary of the basically what they oh, went yeah. through in Frozen 1. Yeah. When um when they meet all the the soldiers and the the uh, the the original people from the forest. What are they called? I forget. Um, yeah, when Olaf does the the summary of Frozen One, that is hilarious. Um, yeah, and I, but like, I think story wise, it, it's it was very basic. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a children's movie. Like, we are not the target market for this film. As much as we enjoy it, this this movie is made for kids, and so it has to be like accessible and understandable for them. Yeah. Um, and I think. Yeah, it's it's a simplistic story, but it's a fairy tale and it's always going to be simplistic. You're not going to get that complexity that you'll get in, you know, a film like Official Secrets or whatever else kind of film you want to talk about. Um, But for me, as someone who was so emotionally invested in the backstory of Frozen, um, it was great. I enjoyed all of the plot points that they hit on. I liked how they went about it and kind of revealing each, um, you know, each section yeah, it was good. I liked it. Can I? Can I? Perhaps I feel like at the moment on the storytelling issue, um, I feel like my thoughts are like the river in the film, and I feel like I need to break the dam and just offload a few things. Break because, the dam. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Ashley, going to get that reference, but um, but. Uh, <laughs> But but can I can I just say a few? Uh, I w- I won't be too long. But can I just uh, go for it? Uh, off, offload. One. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So the story starts off strong. I liked the scenes with the parents in the bedroom, like we've already said. I liked the scenes of Elsa kind of hearing the voices and the voice, I guess, and feeling like she doesn't want to leave, but feeling like she has to. I liked that then this force comes, forces the people out of um, Arendelle. Up Up until all of that, the trolls come, they say, don't worry, we'll look after them. You've got to go on this adventure. All of that, I was like, okay, great, fantastic. This is interesting. This is fun. This is, um, you know, it's got that magic. It's got that sense of adventure. But I had some significant issues after that. And I'll try and kind of like boil them down. Uh, Okay, so firstly, they don't travel far enough, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a basic thing. But like, if you want a sense of adventure, you've got to have kind of like, I feel like more of a journey, more of a like a feeling of we're going from place to place and we're really having to like go somewhere and whilst you do have this kind of montage scene of them being in the this very kind of like stolen from Shrek 2 kind of them in like a car like going along with an annoying side character which again you know that's a bit of plagiarism ish but like but they they go they get to the forest um and then so much of the film that they have a lot of time where they're in the forest and there's a lot of kind of standing and talking and then Elsa kind of quelling the fire and then more standing and talking. And within that standing and talking, you then have like songs, 
and the mood shifts are a tiny bit off. And I was like, uh, I don't know, but like I wanted them to get moving again. And then they do for like a little bit. And then, you know, and then Elsa like sends Anna on her way. And then she's there and she's there on, the, on this beach. And we have this scene that we've already seen in the trailers where she's trying to run up onto the waves and she's like casting the ice and she's trying to kind of like master her powers even more. But, but the fact that, that that was like the final bit of the entire journey, like that's like her getting to Atahalan, like, and then she like tames the seahorse, which we also see from the trailers. And then she's there and the journey part has already happened. Right. And, and, and then when she sings that song and she like arrives there, that felt like an end of the film moment. Whereas when I was watching in the trailers, the, her trying to create this ice to kind of like go over the waves. I don't know about you guys, but that scene looked to me more like kind of like a Ray training with Luke type scene. That didn't look like kind of like the final bit of the journey. I thought, oh, she's practicing with her power. She's like trying to like, and then that's going to come up later. But I, yeah. And then... I have a massive issue with the fact that they didn't destroy Arendelle, but we can maybe talk about that in the politics section. Um, I feel like... You just enjoy death, Paul, is the the clear vibe I'm picking up from this. You want the parents to stay dead. You want their kingdom destroyed. You just want to wipe them all out, don't you? (laughs) I wanted the buildings to be destroyed. I wanted the people to be sick. But I wanted the buildings to be destroyed, and we can talk about that later. But yeah, I felt like there was a bit too much standing around and talking and not enough uh journey and maybe that's a personal taste thing and i liked so much about this film that it sounds like i'm being overly critical because i liked so much about it but like this for me was an area that it 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 suffered so please tell me if you disagree with that agree with it agree with some of it disagree with others of it i don't know what do you think i think one of the the big things that um it's almost like you're around to skirting around is the fact that Elsa is a Mary Sue. Like she is one of the biggest Mary Sues in cinema. Now, if you don't know what Mary Sue means, it's a female character who can do everything. So like Rey in Star Wars is described as Mary Sue because she can fly a spaceship. She can use the force. She can fight with lightsaber. Like she's always just capable of doing everything. And Elsa has always, is just always very capable. You know, she can run across, you know, a flipping ocean. Mm-hmm. with her powers you know she can walk through mist she can do everything she can save a whole town in a matter of seconds you know like she is just instantly capable of doing everything instantly um now of course there'll be people who say well male characters can do that yes i'm not saying anything like that but like that is part of the the reason that sometimes it feels like they're standing around is because she's so capable nothing's really a challenge for her in this film mm. Like the only reason that she dies is because of her own stupidity, frankly. She <laughs> and she doesn't well, listen like to to, <laughs> yeah. to the to warning she's given, and she willingly jumps down a big hole and dies. Frankly, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happens. She jumps and dies. So it's her own stupidity that kills her. <laughs> I guess to to get I... that the point. Sorry, yeah. Paul. I'll I'll say this and then no. you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I guess I guess to kind of counter that, the I think the point of this film is not so much um, a, a physical journey for Elsa or a physical kind of struggle, which I think this for both of you this might be influenced by your love of like action films. Um, 
this is much more of like a personal journey for Elsa. It's about her finding out where she came from, where her powers came from, why she has them. What does that mean for her? She sings that whole song when she arrives in Atahalan, like show yourself. Is this the reason I was born and all those kinds of things? So yes, there's no, I guess, physical struggle for her. And you don't, um, you don't root for her to whip out her powers at every second because it's more about her own internal struggles rather than an external physical one. I think I think that's a very fair point. Um, and I, I don't really have a good comeback to that. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I guess obviously how, how much emphasis you place on that will depend on how uh, invested you are in Frozen lore. And I guess yourself and obviously a lot of other children and maybe other adults as well <laughs> are probably more invested in the whole kind of that side of things yeah uh, in which case person. yeah but, in which case i kind of sound cameron fill in the butt i think if you if you think about not accounted to what you just said asking but like if you think about also like she technically spends two minutes going this is who i am and then goes back to finding out about the issues with the spirits and the bridge because she she follows the memory of her father and that person down under the hole and dies so like she doesn't really have that great of a journey because she goes, she sings a song, goes, poof, nothing ever really tells her you're the bridge, and then just goes, right, onto no, the mission. But, so, like, it's. It, but that's the point. I get, I get, and I, I fully get the whole, you know, she's trying to find herself, mm-hmm. and that's what the whole Into the Unknown song is all about. Um, and the all the all the kind of things that she's been going on, and the whole arc of her character through the entire film towards mm-hmm. the end. But she she spends probably about three minutes finding herself that's it i mean finding herself in the in the sense that she reaches the solution yeah but the whole film is is her discovering the little pieces along the way meeting each one of the spirits and getting to know each one of those and then she realizes that she is the fifth and kind of combines them and i think also as well it's worth mentioning that she points out to anna at the end that the fifth spirit is a bridge and so it's both of them which i thought was kind of a weird tack on to be honest like I thought that's that was playing on, that's playing on the sisterhood it, it thing totally does it, it was to bring in and and for me I felt it was a little bit unnecessary because in Frozen 1 you love Anna for who she is she's this spunky kind of wacky side not sidekick but like she's very very different to the composed sort of controlled Elsa um, and that's who you're used to seeing and then you see that they both have a role to play in the way that they are and, and how they kind of you know complement each other and I felt like we didn't need that reinforced again in Frozen 2. Like, we get it. They're sisters. They're a pair. They work together. Yes, Elsa's queen, but Anna has a role to play too. But I guess it was probably the only good way for them to lead into her kind of abdicating as such and making Anna queen and then her going, Elsa going to the forest and becoming the queen of the forest. But I, I just thought that was a weird sort of tack on to the plot, hmm. if I'm honest. And, you know... <laughs> kind of shouting Paul out here, but um, <laughs> talking about sisterhood, mm-hmm. um, some someone said to me like, "Oh, the film's all about sisterhood and all that kind of you know fighting together." But do they realize that at every opportunity, Elsa just kicks Anna away? Yeah, she's not a very good sister. It's not a very good sisterhood. <laughs> if at the first sense of danger, bye. Like, well, and the thing is, it's not about like it's not about like I'm trying to protect you. Like, they're not listening to each other. They're not very good sisters at all. And so, like, people defending the film for being about sisterhood, 
is they keep just well getting abandoned by one another constantly. <laughs> is that it, not emblematic of a, of a real sibling relationship? That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like the but people defending the film, and I'm not attacking anyone, but people like people defending the film saying it's all about On sisterhood and like sisterhood, you know, it's right. about you know these two women coming together. It's like they don't come together; they always just break apart from the majority of it, and they come back after everything's finished. So like. It's not really about sisterhood, is it? I mean, I see it, but I see your point too. So. Okay. Does it make sense? Or am I just being... being a grumpy old man? Yes, you are being well... a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, though? Just just to kind of back Cameron's point, though, if it was about sisterhood, then why didn't they have that German song from Eurovision about sisters then? <laughs> you know? So where was that? that? So how it. could it have been about sisterhood? That would have so... made it to mainland Europe, Paul. We have to keep it <laughs> Um, fair point, fair point. I think something I want to say on the sister thing, I, I want to talk, uh, just, I want to, like, 30 seconds on, uh, Christoph. Um, mm-hmm. he has, he has this kind Christoph. of, yeah, exactly, and that, that for me was a tiny bit of an issue, but not a massive one. Um, so that's, so he spends 70% of the film, uh, thinking about the fact that he wants to propose to Anna and, or Anna, I suppose that was a bit too English-sized, <laughs> but, um, but, sh- <laughs> but he, yeah, and so there are, basically there are multiple scenes of, of him attempting to propose, and there's something awkward happens, and then it never ends up happening, um, and then he sings this song, this kind of boy band-esque song that I thought in and of itself was really good, and we can talk about that on music, but I felt like it was just, the mood was just wrongly timed, like, <laughs> but, but then he does end up really being instrumental in saving the day when he comes on the reindeer. And I like that. And I like that bit. Yeah. And when he when he proposed, I thought that she was going to say no. And then they were going to send like a feminist message or something like that. So I'm glad that she <laughs> said there was a pause there where I was like, what's she going to say? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think and I think that's an interesting sort of parallel that you know, the whole point of Frozen 1 was everyone was like, oh, but she didn't need a man to save her. Like, her sister saved her. And that was a, a different ending than you would typically expect from a Disney film. But yet she also yeah. still got her happy ending. And I think it was just kind of almost a direct mirror of that. You know, like, Anna and Elsa did what they needed to do to save their kingdom. And then be they got engaged and they lived happily ever after. Kind of mm-hmm. a little extra, like, whoop, whoop, on top of them achieving the the mission. yeah 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 there you go i feel like though i just he was a tire like a bit underused for me as well just like olaf um but i mean he definitely played a much bigger role he played a much bigger role in frozen one um like he was very significant and and it was nice that he that he had that role in the first one and like you say i think he was a bit as much as I enjoyed that kind of like B plot of him struggling to propose and never finding mm-hmm. the right words and almost accidentally breaking up with her like five times, um, yeah. it was if, just if the, you it was just him, it, the film much. wouldn't have really made that much of a difference. He could have just come yeah. in at the very end with Sven and saved her and and then proposed, and we would have been like, oh, isn't that sweet? He it made no mm-hmm. difference really. I mean, I did think it was nice that he found his little reindeer friend from the North Aldra tribe. I thought that was kind of sweet. Yeah. But other than that, like you could have taken him yeah. out and it would have made no difference to the actual plot. Yeah. But I suppose he's a beloved character from the first one, so they had to do something with him, didn't they? Well Shall we talk about music? Yes, and I was just gonna say, I'm glad that you brought up his song because our opinions on that song could not be more different. 
Real, as in ours is in yours and mine or yours yes. and Cameron's? No, ours is in mine and Cameron's and mm. yours. <laughs> oh my. So for con for a small bit of context, um I like the Frozen One soundtrack was listened to for an extreme amount of time on repeat after the first one came out. Um and I do that a lot. I'm a big fan of movie musicals and musicals in general. Um, but the the music in this film was like the biggest disappointment for me, if I'm being honest. Um, you had, Ooh. I'm just looking through the soundtrack, you had one, two, three, four, Ooh. five, six, seven, eight. So there was eight songs in this film in total. Eight. Um, and I liked three of them, which is low for me. Um, my, I think my biggest issue is that, so Frozen 1 had great songs. They were catchy, they were funny, they were powerful. There was a whole kind of range of things, like everything that you want from a classic Disney film, right? And when that was, you know, in its prime, everybody kept talking about, oh, wouldn't this be such a great Broadway show? Like, wouldn't that be so phenomenal on stage? And they went and adapted that for the stage. But I feel like what happened, it almost happened in reverse for Frozen 2 because so many of these songs feel like Broadway musical songs but not in a classic sense. They're almost like that Dear Evan Hansen Hamilton style rather than like a classic sort of, I don't know, Cats or Wicked or whatever kind of style you want to say. Um, there was there was too much like literalness in the songs, like Elsa singing, where are you going? Don't leave me to a spirit that she can't see when we could, you could have just had her reaching out and had some more interesting lyrics and a more interesting melody at that point there was you know these odd little moments that I just was like why why do you need to say that or in Anna's song at the end when she's singing about the grief and she's like this grief has a gravity that drags me down I was like well the gravity is not going to make you float is it do you see what I mean like there was these weird little moments in the songs that just kind of made me go ah, that's not hitting the spot for me um and so overall I was very disappointed in the music in this film the worst for me <laughs> was um, Christoph's song. Like, we both sat there and just kept looking at each other like, what is happening right now? I didn't know if I was supposed to be laughing, if I was supposed to feel sorry for him. Most of it, I just was cringing and wanting it to end. It was, um, yeah, that was not my favourite <laughs> moment of the I, film. <laughs> I, uh, I, I agree that Christoph's song was the worst, and I... <laughs> and I, I think, like you say, that's that's mainly because of like mood issues, both where it came in the film, like in the yeah. narrative, yeah. but then also because, like you say, it wasn't like you say it was kind of like, is this meant to be like a joke because of all like the ranger and the boy band references, exactly. but then it's meant to be serious. So you didn't know how to feel, and there were cringeworthy moments, but I feel like there were glimpses of it that I thought, if if it was just taken out of the film's context. I feel like it was still relatively good and I, but I feel like they should have either like committed to like a full kind of boy band parody and when we got glimpses of that like with the reindeer and kind of like the yeah almost queen, like the bohemian like, rhapsody bohemian, style yeah visuals. exactly yeah 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 like, and like, the split screen at the beginning where he's like looking to the left but also looking yeah. at the camera and I was like oh gosh like I, I felt like it if it was the right point in the film and if they would have fully committed to like a boy band parody, then I feel like it could have been pretty funny and pretty good. Yeah. But they didn't. 
and they went halfway and it was like subsequently very awkward but I, I felt like it had know. potential yeah it did and I think I just I like you say I think because of where it came in the film there's too much happening in the main plot and you're too invested in that and then he starts singing this weird song about being lost in the woods and up is down and left is right and you're just kind of like what are you talking about? Can we please get back to the Anna Elsa story here? Like there are more important things happening and you wanted to laugh, but you didn't know if you were meant to laugh. It was just, it was just all kinds of awkward. Um, and I, I feel your point on the, the literal lyrics thing. Um, yeah. The, yes, the lyrics were lacking in many respects. However, I, I would be interested to know what the three songs are that you thought were all right. Yeah, so the three songs that save this film for me is the opening song, All Is Found, the, the lullaby that the mother sings, um, mm. Into the Unknown, yeah. um, both versions, which we can talk about briefly, and um, the also Olaf song, When I Am Older. That, yeah. I think... Ugh, might be my favorite song because it's so funny and I think it's just such a <laughs> funny play on like especially our generation like this whole this whole yeah. joke that we all have about like oh adulting is so hard and like everything will be fine when I'm older and at the end when he's just like this is fine when everything's so clearly not fine like it that just made me laugh and it was clever it was it had that snappy Olaf humor that I really enjoyed it was a cute melody all those kinds of things it was really really good um and then the other two songs, All Is Found, from the moment the mom started singing, I was just like, ah, oh, this is this is going to be my song. Like, this is going to be the one that I'm going to sing for about six months after hearing this film. And everyone's going to hate me for it, but it's going to happen. Um, and it was really beautiful. The melody is beautiful, memorable. It's really simple. I really, really liked it. And then Into the Unknown um, was great. I really enjoyed the Elsa version. I think, like you say, it did have a couple odd moments of the literal lyrics, but overall, I can forgive it because I also really enjoyed the way they pulled the um, the kind of siren call in and how they fit that into the music and how the motif changed throughout the song as they started to kind of communicate with each other. I thought that was really beautiful. I really liked how they did all of that. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I liked the pop version of this song because they've done Disney have done this with the last few sort of um big films that they've done so they did like Ariana Grande did a version of Beauty and the Beast when that came out um they did I can't remember who did it but someone did a version of How Far I'll Go from Moana and all these ones and I hate every single one of them I'm like no just leave it to the one that you chose in the film let the person that you chose to sing that song sing that song and be done but when the Panic at the Disco version came on at the end, I was like, ooh, I am vibing with this. I really like this. And it's such a different take on the song, but equally works. I prefer it. I like both of them very equally. I know why you prefer it, because Panic, obviously the Panic at the Disco style is more your personal taste. Um, but I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I like that and have had that on repeat just as much as I've had the kind of original um, Edina version on. I prefer it as well. Just putting that out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think my thing with the Idina version is that I'm like, oh, I can belt that in the car and pretend that I'm on a West End stage and nobody needs to know. <laughs> Whereas with the other one, I'm like, oh, I can sing that around other people. So, I think um, for me with the music, it felt very forced. Yeah. I think. I agree. I, I, it just, it like, Christoph's song felt, for nothing it was so unnecessary he starts, he starts singing because Anna 
left him, but he had already left her a few hours ago. So like, what's what's <laughs> yeah. your, what's your gripe about that you've done something <laughs> that she did to you? Like, I I, I just I really did feel at, at some most of the times the songs felt just there because it had to have songs in it yeah especially for me the one that um anna and olaf sang at the beginning oh, that yeah, was the exposition so, of yeah, how we're doing now that was so yeah. obvious like you say an exposition and it was so obviously an attempt at trying to have another version of for the first time in forever where she sings about coming out of the castle and that whole oh they're running through arendelle and look how everything's different now in this song that's kind of the same because some things never change but I just didn't enjoy that song at all. And like you said, they just tried to pack in yeah. way too much exposition. Like, obviously, Anna and Olaf are still friends. Duh. Um, and then they're like, oh, we'll just drop in that Kristoff wants to propose. And we'll just drop in this. And and then we'll have Elsa's quiet, you know, serene moment in the castle where she's struggling internally. Like, it was just too much of an attempt at For the First Time in Forever Part 2. And it flopped and it didn't work. Yeah. I think, mm. Yeah, I, I think the music... Just felt very forced in yeah. the film in general. Yeah, and I don't think it. I, th- I think, it, especially like the first three songs, feel very fast. Very the, like the first three songs are two of the best songs, though. Yeah, but they but they do feel very much like here, here, here. Like I think you don't I have think a lot definitely of, with the second and third one. Yeah, I they do sort of like ram I, it in. I, I feel like the lullaby fit in. Yeah, the lullaby very nicely. But I know what you mean. After that, I feel like it was quite like you've yeah. had ten seconds. Here's a song. You've yeah. had another ten seconds, and here's another song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you think about that film. Um, I had two thoughts. Firstly, I think that the Panic at the Disco version of Into the Unknown is beyond phenomenal. I think that Brendan Urie has just one of the most incredible male voices of any uh, lead in any band. Even though I think it's just him now in Panic at the Disco, but um, <laughs> and and I think that what they should have done in the film is just have that version just him it just uh elsa opens her mouth but his voice comes out (laughs) and and, like the trumpets come in so it's like all like dark and like she's looking out and then it's like and like he like starts like (laughs) oh obviously i'm joking but um but i think that 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 that, yeah his version of that song is is phenomenal and i think it's amazing and see someone like cut that <laughs> do you know what I mean I would like to someone see that will movie. on YouTube yeah. someone yeah, will that will happen we'll but, find it um, <laughs> yeah I think yeah some of the notes he's hitting there wow um very I impressive know. that's the thing and I think uh, like you say he, he has such an incredible voice and it really suits him um mm. in a way that weirdly also really suits Idina and I just thought oh I just honestly I loved both versions I think both of them are just yeah. phenomenal fantastic songs I wanted to touch on this point of of using nostalgia from the first film because another criticism that I had was that I feel like at times they use that nostalgia too much. I feel like it had to be there, like they had to make some references to the first film. However, I feel like in terms of like, like you say, that kind of exposition song that I don't even know the name of at the beginning felt like a for the first time in forever then of course you had into the woods which was kind of almost like a let it go and like and not only that but just so so many nods to the first one and 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 the, and the one where that really hit me was at the end when elsa uh, turns to anna and says do you want to build a snowman and then they like resurrect 
Oh, okay, no, that like, made me really no. emotional. I was like, oh no, like, oh no. That made me almost cry. But I am no, softy. I cry at everything. <laughs> no, but you had, so you had that, you had like, the similar kind of like structures you had the uh whole storytelling thing with olaf like i feel like i I just like you say there's nostalgia was needed but i think they could have done it in almost like in a classier way um because even i felt like kind of the the scoring and the orchestration in the background of this film was not as not um, almost similar enough to Frozen 1. Like there was there was touches of it here and there, but Frozen itself has a very particular sound that they created. And I felt that they could have done a lot more to carry that through into this one in moments when it would have been more appropriate. But I feel like they just gave this film a very different sound overall. And like you say, then tried to force this kind of like, hey, but don't forget Frozen 1 was a thing that happened. Don't forget Olaf's fun. Yeah. Don't forget like... So yeah, we get it. Just yeah, could have been a bit more weave, subtle and weaved classy. it in a bit better. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, Paul, I know you have some thoughts about you think messages in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I I I I felt like there was something political going on, but it was inconsistently like implemented into the film and so that makes me wonder whether or not it was non-political or whether it was clever political or whether it was just inconsistent political so I feel like and I've seen reviews saying the same I feel like there was some climate change not well not that climate change well it is a politicized issue but I feel like there was some climate change narrative of some sort going on there um in that, you know, you had a up north, you had these people who, because of the climate, were, you know, the, this mist that that was affecting their quality of life and it was affecting their access to things. And that, that the people who were living in the nice kingdom with abundance and everything they needed uh, got forced out of their home by the symbolic climate and then had to go and help the other people before as to kind of like help lift the mist and it was difficult and they had to like sacrifice things and i feel like there would there could be like a, a climate change type narrative going on there however if that's what they were going for i don't know if it is they would have been better served if that was the message they were going for by destroying arendelle now i know we've joked about the fact that i seem to to want a lot of destruction and death in this film uh-huh. i know it's a kid's i know it's a kid's movie but they could have had the water come and just destroy the bricks and the whatnot and the end of the film could have been them rebuilding a new arendelle mm. and i feel like what that would have taught and what would have made the cons- the message consistent would have been that sacrifice is going to be necessary for climate change issues like but instead it was like oh no, we just have our entire kingdom and everything. Um, the rich get to stay right now. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like, they get to keep their castles and all that, and we get to solve the climate issues for all the northerners. Yes. Like, <laughs> um, so I feel like, but that could just be them being politically dexterous like and like, you know, not making it too preachy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that could be me just reading way too much into it, but 
Yeah, I get it. It's a very lucky, lucky save at the end, I think, from Elsa. Mm. And it, <laughs> it also doesn't, it, what she did doesn't save, like, shouldn't have saved the city. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you that, talking just like that, physics or like? Like, yeah, that water would have still <laughs> been there. The water level would have ro- risen. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, what she did yeah. didn't save, <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Yeah. And yeah. hence the whole Mary Sue argument for Elsa. Yeah, she can just Thank do you. everything. Yeah. The only other thing I was wondering whether there was some, I don't know, like immigration related thing with like the, the peoples and like reconciliation and like, I was wondering if the dam was potentially kind of like a Mexico wall analogy, but I feel like, you know. I think that's reading too much into it. Yeah, I think so. I think think, think that's me projecting onto it. But um, (laughs) but yeah, okay. So we'll stick with like potentially something about climate change there, but it was a bit um, ambiguous. But at the end of the day, it's a kid's film. So I think that there wasn't any like over like clear, like preachy vibes of anything political. So that's good. That's good. Okay. All right. So we now um, briefly move into Paul's Critic Corner. Yes, we do. So <laughs> <laughs> this film has done like relatively well in terms of like reviews. So it's on IMDb, its current user score, which will slide, is a 7.3. And its meta score is a 65, which is in the green. And it's all right. You know, that's all right. But it's not as good as the first Frozen. And it's a 76% on the tomato, like the tomato meter on rotten tomatoes which again is is you know it's fair it's nothing sensational it's nothing awful it's just kind of fair so um i think that a good way to summarize my feelings on this film is that it was all right there were like like good bits and there were bad bits and there were bits in between and the overall kind of end product is like fairly okay i think i preferred the first one i wasn't massively attached to the first one like some people are um but (laughs) i (laughs) no shade no tea no pink lemonade okay whatever (laughs) (laughs) but um but i you know i thought it was it was yeah it was all right it was it was fair yeah good parts bad parts and and some in between yeah, that's a really unsatisfying summary. I'm sorry, but that's uh, that's <laughs> that's the best way to summarize my thoughts. Okay. Uh, what about our resident expert? What's their summary? <laughs> my overall thoughts are on plot. It um, was very satisfying for me. I enjoyed the storyline. Um, I liked the visuals. I thought it was nice. Um, I enjoyed there was a lot of comedy in this as well which I didn't I don't think I expected it to be as funny as it was which was good I had a lot of like laughter moments um the 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 main problem I had for me was the music it was, just felt too forced and that for me was like the big letdown in this film but otherwise I quite enjoyed it how about you uh for me it was nice. It just didn't float your boat. It didn't float my boat. Like <laughs> no, the music, the music felt very like like forced upon us and yeah. very overbearing. The story was very see through. Though it works for the audience, for the little kiddies that are meant to be watching it, not for the grown ups that we are. 
Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> visuals are very nice. I thought and I, I thought Olaf was great, and he was a total yeah. scene stealer. Yeah, many and times. Is, like I would, I would have a Disney Plus TV show with just about. Yes, Olaf. <laughs> yes. Um, I would so watch that if they did it because we did kind of mention like an Olaf film, but then we thought no because the minions when they did the minions film out of the despicable me franchise it kind of ruined the minions like it actually made me like them less so i think an olaf disney plus series would be better than a movie because it's shorter it's snappier and funny sorry to hijack your summary but a good point that i felt was was necessary (laughs) to be made it was it it was very and honestly it was just very basic that's you know what I'm gonna go throw down. I, I, um, wow, Kristen Bell's good place. Yeah, basic. Yeah, basic. <laughs> you are devastated right now. And that is <laughs> that is what I'm leaving for them two on. Yeah, basic. Wow. With that, I... let's jump right into the scores. Ooh, scores. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this off because I know mine's gonna be way higher than both of yours. <laughs> okay. Like way higher. Okay. But I think we can all agree that I am probably a bit biased. Like, I know yes. this myself. Um, and for me, Paul, you're going to be incredulous, but I'm going to give it a nine. What? That's, yes. That is an abomination. Because, no, no, We're no, no, cutting no. that and part I, Let me defend <laughs> Let me We're going to edit over it. We're going to pretend that it's you and you. I'm going to give it, and then I'll just kind of, like, imitate you. Like, a seven. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I definitely give it a nine because, and I think this this purely comes from the fact that I was so emotionally invested in the backstory of Frozen. Like, I really needed answers to all of my many questions. And it gave me exactly what I wanted. I appreciate it is not the best film of all time. I will say that. But I really enjoyed it. It made me laugh quite a lot. Um, It's been a couple days and I'm still listening to the soundtrack. Um... And I, I'm considering going and seeing it again in the cinema. So I only got one point because the music was so disappointing. Oh, and this is the last time my wife will guess. To wow! <laughs> I oh. haven't even given a nine yet. Uh, so... <laughs> I know. Have you not? Do you not give it for a first? Anyway. No. Um, I, I gave it like a, a pristine eight. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to score F because just because I love Paul's scoring descriptions, I always laugh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I give Frozen 2, this will be controversial to most, if anyone actually listens to this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but do listen um, currently, um, I'm going to give this six. That's exactly what I thought you would give Um, it. Purely purely because of Olaf and Panic at the Disco. (laughs) That's what gets it a six. saving grace. That is the saving grace, Olaf Panic at the Disco. And it's like... But like to be fair to it, I'm gonna give it a nice six. It's it's my standard bus. It's nice and platinum. Yeah. Like it's not amazing. There's no like it's like five thirty in the morning kind of you have to be on the bus, otherwise you're not you're gonna be late for your, your train in the morning sort of bus. <laughs> where you're yeah. kind of like, ugh. But at least it's a good bus. I feel like that's the kind of nine I would give it to. It's not a spectacular nine, but yeah. So that's that's I'm giving it a, a run of the mill early morning standard bus six. <laughs> Man, well they say that great minds think alike, and I legit was on like the exact same wavelength when it came to scores as Cameron. Um, so 
had <laughs> stolen my thunder there. <laughs> I was, it was going to be, so six would be the number that I would give it. Um, I was thinking like slightly above average bus. So like numerically, it would probably be somewhere in the 6.6 to 6.7 range. How do we attribute that decimal uh, number to a bus? How do we uh, translate that into a bus? I guess it would be kind of like, I feel a lot of pressure right now that, that you've uh, <laughs> said that you enjoy the descriptions. You, you, um, you've done this to yourself, Paul. Okay, so we're talking, we're talking overcast Tuesday afternoon, right? And it's the bus home from school, right? And so you're happy because it's the bus home from school, but you're not like majorly happy because it's not Friday, but you still get to go home and, you know, you've had a long day. Uh, The bus itself is steaming up because there's like a hundred other school children in it. And they're being a little bit loud, but you do have your headphones and you are listening to something nice. That's the type of bus we're talking. So, like, above average, because you're happy, because you're leaving school. Uh, but it's overcast, but it's not raining, at least. And, like, that kind of that kind of bus, I'm thinking a six in that kind of range. Mm. Um, there you go. I'm sorry I don't have an eloquent bus <laughs> analogy. I'm, no, I don't. I'm not as expert. You don't, you don't need it for your fitness <laughs> Um, so, I'm so, not as versed in so with, with, with that we have come to the end of this episode um, thank you to Ashley for uh, guest starring in Thanks this episode for having me. no worries um, we're going to try to get this out as fast as possible we are next reviewing Knives Out oh, I, yeah I'm excited to go see yeah. that um and we've still got a few more episodes before Big Star Wars Day. So, Star Wars. Um, Star Wars. So, yeah. Uh, please do not forget to like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Um, and always do check out our blog. And you can subscribe to that for any written reviews that we do as well. So, uh, that's all. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.